Hello, and welcome to another episode of Podcasting Success Secrets. My name is Hector Santi Esteban, and I am your host, your guide, your facilitator for today. And we're going to talk with Jeff Umbra. He's the founder and CEO of Pop- Podglomerate, as someone who has a number of lives and a number of careers experienced in the podcasting space. So Jeff, a welcome and thanks for hanging out with us today. Thanks, Hector. I'm stoked to be here. And I would love to discuss whatever those lives are, because it's funny. Sometimes you just got to take a step outside yourself to kind of see where you're at. I was doing some research on Podglomerate. It's a good name. Great name, by the way. The first thing that I saw was that you guys did production, you guys did distribution, and you did monetization. And I was like, whoa, like those are three huge beasts. There are agencies for each of them. There are production companies, there are promotion companies, PR kind of companies, there are entire organizations built towards just one of those functions. You guys do all three. Would love to hear the story of how Podglomer got started or what the iterations were, and then how you guys landed on those three being the things that you guys did. Happy to talk about that. It's funny, it was an accident on like multiple different levels. I was podcasting for fun at another job. I was a book publicist. And the idea was to bring those authors back to the boutique PR firm that I worked at. I'd get a small commission for doing so. And I would get to build my profile, make a little bit more money at work and get to work with authors that I was more interested in working with than the ones that were already at the firm. So it was a pretty easy use case and and solved a lot of problems for me. After a couple of years of doing it, I love this. Why don't I just do this full time? It's very clear to me that the industry is blowing up. This was I started in 2014, officially launched the company in 2017, but I was working on it from 2016 on. So there's a few different versions of this story. One of them is basically that a lot of companies were coming to me trying to take my show, Writers Who Don't Write at the time, and sell ads on their behalf, big companies that you've heard of. And then they would find out how many downloads I had on the show and all of a sudden were not no longer interested. And in hindsight, it was all based on scale. It's scale economics or unit economics. Like You need a show that's large enough to make it worthwhile for somebody to put the time into doing that. My show at the time was not. I, as like a late 20s idiot, was just, I can do this myself. So the first iteration of the Poglomerate was like an early version of AdvertiseCast, where I would collect a lot of other shows that were of the same scale of what I was doing at that time. I would bundle them together, go to agencies and sell them as a package. I very quickly realized why more people were not doing that. It requires a lot of time, resources, and technology to do it well. I'd imagine pace too. Yeah, it wasn't working, at least not to the scale where I needed it to be. I decided that the production stuff is really fun. I was enjoying doing it. There are other people who needed that kind of servicing. And a few people had asked me about it. And prior to that, I was just like, no, I'm sticking with the ad side over here. Eventually, we decided to try and produce a show. It was work for hire. And I realized just like what went into that and what the opportunity there was. So we did a lot more of that. And then after a year of doing that, all of these shows that we were producing podcasts for and selling ads on their behalf came to us and said, Hey, if our show is larger, we would really be able to do more here, sell more ads, make more money, make more episodes. And I had this background in book publicity and essentially just said, this can't really be that different. So we started promoting the shows. Over time, it just turned into what it is today, where we're just much more efficient, much better at understanding like the market and what we actually are supposed to be doing and needing to do in order to grow a show the right way. 
how to produce a show in a sustainable manner that isn't going to cost a fortune for these brands that are often doing this for like thought leadership and really what advertisers are actually looking for when it comes to metrics and KPIs with the shows that they're advertising on. And seven years in, we're, we're celebrating our seventh birthday in January. We have a really amazing slate of shows. We have a team of nine full-time people. We really get to focus on the things that we love. And, and we have a little bit more resources to do all of these things. Because you're right, Hector. Every one of these things can fill up a company of hundreds if you do it the right way. So. Yeah. When you look at the buckets, let's start with production first. Because I think that's something that will be most applicable, at least to everybody here. What are must-dos, some gotta-haves, or even like some big potholes to avoid, if you will? You have the, the ability to see and have a larger sample size than someone who's got one show and they're putting out one or two episodes a week or something like that. So what are some things that you really notice that can help with the, uh, the production side? That's a big question. So I'll tear it apart a little bit. Step one is really pre-production is 99% of production. The more prep work that you can do to sit down and draft out your questions or the outline of an episode... It, assuming it's an interview show or something, if it's more of a narrative show, like identifying the 10 perfect people that would provide good context for that episode, doing your research as to what they've already done in interviews or talked to or what they've said in articles or written about, getting their contact info and like a nice pretty spreadsheet. So just anything that you would assume would be helpful for you when it comes to actually like recording the episode, depending on what kind of show it is. And we'll save you time on the back end when it comes to the editing and the post-production work that's going to go into it is going to save you tons of time. The second thing is really focus on what are your goals and how are you measuring those goals? Maybe you want to make a show where you get as many downloads as possible. So maybe you want to focus on getting high profile guests on that show. If your goal is to drive like good business leads for your SaaS company or something, then you really want to focus on getting people on the show who are going to drive new business for you, like a CMO or something at a potential client company. And you might not necessarily want to waste your time growing a large audience of people who are not decision makers who can purchase the product that you're trying to pitch. Maybe your goal is to become a thought leader so that you can sell like a course or something. Then in that case, like you should be measuring the very high quality people that you're looking to actually use the course and you should look at like what they're reading, what they're going to be like looking at on social media every day, the different courses that they're already taking. And you should identify the people who are involved in those and bring them onto your show so that you can then use that for traction for what you want to do later on. If the first bucket is pre-production, then the second bucket is like really establishing your goals and your KPIs and like how you're measuring that yourself personally and have check-ins quarterly, monthly, weekly say, okay, my ultimate goal is X. Am I doing things that are driving me to that goal? And if the answer is no, then take a step back. Because it's really easy to get caught in the trap of making a show just for the sake of making it. I'm going to jump in there real quick. You said knowing what you want. And I think that's so important. And also... I don't think enough people spend enough time on that part because they think the obvious, I just want more downloads. If you get more downloads, then what? I'm sure in your helping and promotion, we started off as a podcast marketing agency and kind of shifted into the production and stuff like that. And what we realized initially was that even if we grew the downloads, the clients weren't necessarily any happier because it didn't necessarily translate to anything of note. Yes, there were more people listening. Sure, there were some more likes and the down, like all that stuff was happening. But the bottom line wasn't actually going up or wasn't impacting the bottom line. And conversely, we've had shows where there's not a whole lot of growth on the audience side, but 
leads are coming in consistently. And so they're not mutually exclusive, but they don't need to go together. Yeah, 100%. And I think that's something we run into that all the time, too, where people don't necessarily have their goals in mind when they come to us. And, and that's the first question that we always ask. A podcast, most of the time, is just a top of the funnel vehicle. So you're going to go and try and bring people to your newsletter, and then you can target them with your newsletter for whatever service you're providing, or drive them to social, or get them to go to your website where you have more materials there. Maybe you built a white paper and people need to sign up uh, to receive that or something. The podcast is a great vehicle to bring people into your ecosystem, hopefully provide a lot of value to people with like long form interview or narrative shows. It doesn't have to be long form, but just something that's really accessible to anyone. I have a podcast called Podcast Perspectives, very similar to what you're doing, Hector. And we've had a few guests on Harry Morton from Lower Street or Fatima Zaidi from Quill and Co-host. And both of them specialize in branded podcasting. And both of them are really of the belief that it doesn't matter what your audience size is. It really matters like who your audience is. Do you have the 200 to 500 people that are really paying attention to what you're doing, that are decision makers in their field, that are going to take half an hour out of their week to listen to what you have to say because they're getting value out of it? That's what most people should be focusing on and what most people are not currently focusing on. There's a lot of vanity metrics that are really hard to ignore that will suck you in and get you in trouble. With that being said, I would love to transition to the promotion side because I think it is such a black box and no one can figure out how to discoverability and growth stuff. That's the ethos that's out there is that people are helpless in their growth. But it seems like you've cracked that a little bit. Can you expand on what you guys have found that with regards to predictably growing a show? Yeah, I'm happy to. Yes, we have cracked that to the extent that it is possible to crack that. And people can head to our website to find out more. But I also want to acknowledge that there's a lot of really smart people in the space talking about this stuff. Rachel King from Pod People, Eric Newsom from Magnificent Noise, Chris Colbert from DCP Entertainment, Dan Meisner from Bumper, Lauren Passell from Tank Media, Ariel Nissenblatt from Squadcast. Uh, if there's a million more. I'm leaving out so many people, so forgive me. But they all have websites and blogs and newsletters where they're talking about this stuff all the time. And if people are really serious about paying attention to this, they should go check all of that out. That said, what we do at Poglomerate is a five-tier approach that has worked really well for us for the seven years that we've been doing it. And we do this for clients like Freakonomics, MIT, Stanford, Harvard, NPR, Substack and many other companies, and also a lot of smaller companies and like individual podcasts in addition to big institutions. It's publicity, marketing, cross-promotion, pitching the podcasting apps and paid acquisition. Now, there's a lot of layers to all of this. On the publicity side, the goal is ultimately to get your show featured for reviews, interviews, feature stories, lists of shows surrounding certain topics. So what you need to do is to build out a press kit, which could include like a press release, a synopsis document, a biography of the talent or the people involved on the show. Maybe you could do like a fake Q&A that you write yourself where you ask questions that you would assume a journalist may be interested in and you answer those questions. So you're helping them and doing a lot of the work for them. And then Step two is creating a targeted list of the people who you think may be interested in that podcast. You can use a lot of tools to find contact info and who those people are. Muckrack, Cision, Meltwater. Some of them are paid. You might not have a budget for that. The other really easy way to review some of that stuff is 
to go to the podcasting apps. If you pull up a show, it'll often have recommended podcasts underneath that. You go to This American Life and you scroll on an Apple podcast and you scroll down to the bottom of the page, it's going to give you 99PI and Hidden Brain and whatever, like shows that are similar to that, that they would recommend. You can do that with any podcast and it will recommend a bunch of potential targets for you to pitch to. You should also look at newspapers, magazines, etc. A lot of people will have their email address and like their Twitter bio or something. So just literally make a spreadsheet, keep track of who you've emailed and what you've sent them and when, and then you can turn around and follow up as needed. Think about the pitches that you're making. Maybe you're a person of color creator and you're pitching something for Black History Month. Maybe you have narrative series that you can pitch in June for a road trip listen. Maybe you're doing a fantasy sports show that you want to pitch before opening day for baseball season. There's a lot of different opportunities for you to think about just like calendar holidays as built-in pitches for your show. Maybe you have a cybersecurity show and there's been a big data breach and you want to pitch this to media so that you can pitch yourself as like an expert. So that's the publicity part. On the marketing front, the way I view that is like your owned and operated vehicles. So social media, website, live events, apps, email newsletter, etc. Identify what your vehicles are, how you're using them to promote the show, what the best way to translate that audience to a listening audience would be. Maybe you have a blog on your website. You can publish episodes of your podcast with an embedded player, publish a transcript or like a loose like uh, version of the transcript. So you have some of the talking points that are in there. And then you're going to get SEO on that article and you might capture some people that you wouldn't have otherwise. Maybe you could pull a 30-second clip from your podcast and throw it on TikTok or something. There's a lot of different opportunities there. And you can use tools like Chartable or Podsites to promote there to track attribution on that. Then cross-promotion with other podcasts is the third bucket. Interviews on other shows, audio cross-promos. You can use that tool I mentioned where you go on Apple and look up similar shows at the bottom, the recommendation algorithm. You can reach out to those folks. Podchaser has a really great database that you can get for not too much money. And you can email them and pitch yourself as a guest on the show or pitch a cross promo of audio swaps. Or maybe you publish an episode on each other's feeds. You can track success on that with Chartable as well. Fourth bucket would be pitching the podcasting apps. If you Google around, you can find contact info and contact forms for a lot of these different websites and apps. But like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SiriusXM, Pandora, TuneIn, Amazon Music, they're all looking for things to feature every day. And you can pitch them in the same way that you pitch, for example, your editorial content on the PR side. And then for paid acquisition, there's a lot of self-serve ad platforms out there that will literally tell you what you can anticipate in terms of returns on your investment. So Overcast FM slash ads or podcastaddict.com slash ads. They're auction-based systems where you can buy banner ads on their platforms that are, for example, in the technology space or in the business vertical. And you can capture eyeballs for anybody searching those particular subpages on those apps already and actively looking for the next show that they want to listen to. You can advertise them in some cases for as little as a couple hundred dollars and you can capture dozens or hundreds of new listeners. So all of that in tandem, those are all proven successful strategies anyway. A lot of the people who hear about those are often intimidated or scared to actually try and do them. And you don't have to do everything, but if you're really interested in growth, I encourage you all to choose one thing, set aside a few hours each week and really pursue it. And then you'll be able to measure the results of that and see if you want to put more time into it. All of those sound great. The question is that, okay, if I've got limited time and resources, which one do I pick? And then once I pick one, how do I know if I'm doing it right? How do I know how long to stick with it? As you're saying it, 
I love all those people, Ariel and Lauren and Harry and all, all those people are fantastic. And so it's like the information is out there and they're talking about it. But then I also hear similarly from indie podcasters who are like, I don't know what to do. It's not that they don't know what they can do. It's like they don't know which they should do or which is right for them. And so maybe you can talk about maybe about your decision process for what type of shows might be better for any of those other ones or how someone might go about deciding which of those five to lean into first or which of those five to prioritize. This goes back to what I was talking about before, where you have to figure out what your goals are. For example, pitching your show to media is not necessarily going to drive a lot of downloads in many instances. If you get like a New York Times feature, you can expect downloads. If you get a feature on a blog page for some very random product in the world that's listing like the top 10 business shows or something, you're probably not going to see like a windfall from that. What that will do, though, is give you some street cred and some critical acclaim that you can then take when pitching your next opportunity. And you can use that for a form of validation for third parties that you're pitching to. And that might allow you to access like a cross promo swap with a slightly larger show or something. So... I would say it's worthwhile to experiment with all of this stuff, but you really do need to sit down and look at what resources do I have? And time is a resource. And like, where do I want to spend it? Because I didn't mention this before. So thank you for bringing my brain back to this. But if you have two hours every week to spend on promoting your show, sometimes the best way that you can spend that two hours is to make the show better. Invest more time in editing, or maybe you're going to publish a transcript. Maybe you want to build out some social materials or something. I think it's worth experimenting with all of this stuff. And of the five buckets that I mentioned, the thing that is the easiest to do is probably the cross promo side of it. And there's a lot of ways in which you can do that better or worse. But typically, you're able to unlock that capability because a lot of the people that you're chatting with are also interested in unlocking the same opportunity. And there's tools out there. If you go to Chartable, they have a benchmark report that you can Google where they'll show you if you're like a technology show versus a fiction show versus a sports show what you can anticipate for a conversion rate with these cross promos. So you can really determine what's worthwhile to you. If you have a thousand downloads an episode and that the conversion rate on a sports show is a 1% conversion rate, I'm making these numbers up, then you get to decide if I do this for 100,000 impressions, is a thousand new listeners worth it for me? So there's a lot of math that goes into that. And remember, you can do multiple cross promos at, at once. Like you don't have to limit it. This has been, uh, been really good here, Jeff. The last thing I want to touch on is, is monetization. And I think the, the age-old question is, when is it right to monetize? Or how big do I need to be to monetize? Or at what stage? And so how do you help podcasters navigate that sort of question? The answer is different for every podcaster and every publisher and every agency. For me, if you ask me right now, like Poglomerate is interested in shows that have 40,000 downloads per month or more. That said, I can tell you that I know many shows that are getting hundreds or thousands of downloads per month, really small shows that are able to monetize their show in really smart, healthy ways because they're finding the advertisers where they only really need to make a couple conversions and it is worth their time and money to be present there. An example I love to give is there's a big Fortune 500 company we used to work with way back in the day. They had an email software program that would make their employees like 1% more efficient in their sales emails. They launched a podcast that was really not that large. I think it had a few hundred downloads per episode. And they were really happy with that because they were the right 100 people that were listening. And any one conversion from the podcast to that sales division would earn that company enough money annually to pay for the podcast three or four times over. 
it really is about finding the product market fit. If you run a fantasy sports show and you're working with DraftKings or something, as long as you can convert a healthy audience to that app, they don't really care how many listeners you have. They're going to look at how many people you can convert. There's also the idea of what's called a 360 promotion, or at least that's what I call it, where you can incorporate things like display ads on your website, mentions in your email newsletter, other forms of promotion beyond just the podcast, but including the podcast. And that will allow you to unlock some more value when you are selling these things. There's no magic number and there's no real answer there. You can list your show on an app like Gumball or AdvertiseCast at a few hundred downloads. And if a buyer is interested, then they'll find it. But I will say traditionally, some of like the more legacy agencies and publishers are looking for shows that are of a scale that has a little bit better economics behind it. So probably 40,000 or higher per month. There's different ways to sell too. You have dynamic insertion, you have baked in, etc. So all of that matters. This has been uh, really insightful, Jeff. Where can people get connected with you, find out about the show, Poglomerate? Poglomerate.com, P-O-D-G-L-O-M-E-R-A-T-E. You can email us at listen at thepoglomerate.com. I have a podcast called Podcast Perspectives that you all can check out. And just I'm on all the socials. Um, Very happy to be helpful and have a conversation with anyone about their show. It's it's a big world out there in podcast space and you get back what you put in. So I'm I'm really happy to chat with anybody about what they're working on. And and if I can be helpful, please just let me know. I appreciate that. We'll link up all that stuff in the show notes for you listeners. And if you made it this far, we appreciate you for being here. We would be forever grateful for a rating or review wherever you get your podcasts. And if you are listening on Spotify or happen to have Spotify on your phone, we would love for you to pull up in the app, pull up into our show and, and hit the, the stars at the top and give us a rating of whatever you think we're worth. But if you know a podcaster as well, who's in the midst of starting one or in the midst of growing their show, send in this episode. I think there's some great insights here. Go get connected with Jeff on me on social. As always, we appreciate you being part of the pod fam. We'll see you on the next one. Later, y'all.